called When the End is the Beginning. And we're looking at the end of Luke's Gospel and the beginning of the book of Acts. Now, as many of you know, endings can be really hard. They can be sad and painful and filled with uncertainty. But just sometimes, an ending can be the beginning of something new. And this was certainly true for Jesus and his followers. So today we'll be looking at this first chapter in the book of Acts, looking at what Jesus said, what the apostles did, and what we can do when we find ourselves in a similar situation. Now today's reading, read beautifully, thank you John, is in the book of Acts. This is the second part of the Bible, which is the New Testament. It's placed straight after the Gospels, but before the letters, and acts as a bridge. It talks about the end of Jesus' ministry physically on the earth, and the birth of the church, and the beginning of the church's ministry. It was written around 60 AD by Luke, who was a physician who traveled with Paul, and it was written to Theophilus, and in today's language, could quite easily be called Luke season two with the gospel being Luke season one. And it begins where season one ends, with the description of Jesus' last day physically present on the earth with his disciples. Luke starts season two in the best tradition with a recap of what happened at the end of season one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So the apostles, it's, it's been 40 days since the resurrection. 40 days where Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, to Mary the mother of James, to Salome and Joanna, to Simon Peter, to Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus, which Andy talked about a few weeks back, and to 10 of the apostles. Thomas wasn't there on that day. And all of those appearances were just on day one. And over the next 40 days, he appeared to many more people. They have seen him, they've touched him, they've worshipped him, they've broken bread with him and fellowship with him, and they've heard the resurrected Jesus speak and teach. So here in verse 4, Luke records again, just as he did in season 1 in chapter 24, Jesus commanding them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Here in Acts, Luke uses the phrase, baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a phrase that he's used before in his gospel in chapter 3, where John the Baptist says that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. This phrase has, and what it means, has caused discussion and argument since Jesus' time, and it can still provoke animated discussions now. Each of you may have your own thoughts and beliefs about what it means and the experience of it. But for today, we're going to look at the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit in the light of Luke 24, verse 49, 
where Jesus describes it as being clothed with power from on high. So here in verse 5, Jesus promises his disciples that they will have power from God to do what God is calling them to do. There is a parallel to this in Jesus' own ministry. And Luke records that in his, uh, in his Gospel, chapter 4, where after a period of 40 days, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and began teaching in the synagogues. So Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was clothed with power from on high. And here he instructs his apostles likewise, wait until you are clothed with power from on high and then go. In verse 6, the apostles ask him, is this the time? Is this the time the kingdom will be restored? don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm thinking, really? That's what you're going to ask? I don't have their viewpoint, their history, their lifetime of hearing about the promise of the restoration of God's people to the land. So to me, this is an absurd question. I want to say, what you want about chaps? Get with the program. This is all about Jesus. It's about preaching the gospel. It's about sharing the good news about Jesus. But no, Jesus understands that they have heard time and again in these Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament, that the pouring out of the Spirit and the restoration of the kingdom of Israel at the same time. The old, their scriptures link them time and again. So Jesus just answers them directly with a reassurance that God has authority over the timing. In verse 8, Jesus repeats the promise that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And he declares that they will be his witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this isn't power as in physical strength, but more the ability to do what Jesus has commissioned them to do, what he's, the instructions that he's given them, to be witnesses in a world that didn't want to hear about him. In verse 9, he ascends to heaven, and he's gone again, and they stand there staring at the sky. <laughs> Can you imagine how they felt? He's died. They thought that was the end. But no, he came back. It's not the end. He's been here for 40 days, and now he's gone again. Is this the end? But then two angels appear and say, what are you doing? What are you looking at? No, Jesus is going to come back. So this isn't the end. They're reassured by the angels that Jesus will come back. Whew, what an amazing 40 days they've had. But what now? Drop the glasses. This promise, this commission that Jesus gives in verse 8 is recorded in all four Gospels, in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. They all refer to this sending out that Jesus gives to his followers. We're his followers. If you're a believer of Christ today, if you're a follower of Jesus today, this applies to you too. We are called as his followers, as the local and as the global church, we have that commission to be witnesses of Christ in the world today, to show by our words and in our lives the good news about Jesus. 
But the way in which you play your part in that Great Commission is different for each and every one of you. God's made us all individually with different gifts and different strengths, with hearts that break for different things. And yes, there are events that break all of our hearts. And the news this week has just been heartbreaking to watch. But there are also people groups and places that make some of you compelled to go, to be God's hands, to be his voice, to be his presence in that place with those people. From my early days as a Christian, I knew what I wanted to do. I just wanted to come alongside people and be with them, be Jesus to them, be his hands, his voice, his encouragement. In my second year at Bible College, I discovered that there was a name for this ministry. It's called chaplaincy. So, after discussing it with much wiser heads than mine, I began to make plans to apply to train to be ordained as a chaplain. I had my application pack. I had my church and chaplaincy placements. I knew which master's modules I was going to be studying. I had a mentor lined up, and I was so excited to finally be stepping into my part in this commission. And then God said, wait. The instruction came clearly. Lay everything down. Go back to Birmingham. Spend time with your mum. And now some of you will know what I mean when I say I heard God's voice Clearly, some of you may be looking at me and thinking maybe I need one of those snappy white jackets that tie up at the back. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that his, voice will, his sheep will hear his voice. And in the Old Testament, there are many accounts of God speaking to his people. And what I had heard was confirmed by others who had been praying too. And so, put a hold on the application tucked the master's paperwork back at the back of the cupboard. And on completion of my degree 12 months ago, laid it all down, came back to Birmingham, started working in an office uh, and spending time with mum, who's not very well. It's been a year. I still have that call to chaplaincy. I still have that burning desire for more training, more learning, further equipping. I am impatient to step into my role, my part in this great commission. Have any of you here had that sense of God's calling? Maybe it's uh, that knowing inside when you hear stories of missionaries in far-flung parts of the earth. Do you get that, ah, that's me, that's what I'm supposed to be doing? And maybe you have a heart for those living on the streets in our city or those who work in businesses in our city, as Judy talked about a few weeks back. You could have a heart for the prisoners. You could be called to the sick. It could be entirely different. You could be called to stay and raise a family in your hometown, in your home church, with the people you grew up with. When you hear of the impact of food banks or theatre productions or street ministries, do you get that leap here? Perhaps you've had a direct communication through a Bible verse or through another believer hearing from God and telling you something that deep down 
you already knew about what you'd be doing, where you'd be going, who you'd be speaking to and how. Have you had the on your marks and the get set and you're just waiting for that? Go. For funds to come available, for doors to open up, for the next step to become clear. So what should you do in the now but not yet, when you're called but not yet commenced, when you're commissioned but not yet empowered? What do we do in this space? Well, let's go back to Act 1 and see what the commissioned but not yet empowered apostles did. Well, the first thing they did was obey the last instruction. Stay in Jerusalem. I wish I could say that I have stayed in Jerusalem, but I'd be lying if I did. The truth is, four months after I laid it all down and came back to Brum and started spending time with Mum, I decided to return part-time to Malvern and start the master's course anyway, and alongside that, begin chaplaincy training. It was hard work, but I managed to juggle everything, thanks to working part-time. Hey, look, God, I can do it all. I can work part-time and be in Birmingham and be with Mum and train to be a chaplain and do my master's. Did I mention it was hard? (laughs) It was really tough. I was exhausted. I never had enough energy and enough focus to do justice to what I was supposed to be doing. Then the work situation changed. And I found myself in a position of having to work full-time for two different employers, in two different jobs, in two different places. And it just became impossible. So after a lot of prayer and tears, and pity parties about how unfair it all was, I realized that actually, the last instruction still applied. Lay everything down, go back to Brum, spend time with mum. So I did it. I didn't do it graciously. I didn't even do it joyfully, forgive me Lord. But I did it obediently. So I will follow the apostles' example. I will stay in Jerusalem and I will wait for the next instruction. But it's not easy being in the meantime, is it? Seems like everybody else is getting their go and doors are opening up and they're bounding gleefully through them (laughs) off to do their calling whilst we wait obediently and patiently. If it's any consolation, if you find yourself in that position, you're in good company. The Lord promised Abram descendants as numerous as the stars and changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many. And at the time, he wasn't father of any. God revealed to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations when Abraham was 75 years old. Fifteen years later, God renewed the promise when when Abraham was 90. Ten years later, at the age of 100, Abraham and Sarah finally had their son, That's a total of 25 years. And what about David? David had to wait something like 15 years from the time he was first anointed by Samuel to be king over all of Israel to the time he became king over Judah. And then it was another seven years before David was anointed king over the whole of Israel. So David waited over 20 years. If you're waiting for the next step, for the next instruction... 
Keep following the last one. Stay obedient. Be patient. And don't lose hope. I have learned that God can do his best work when we are waiting. So the second thing the apostles did was pray. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And when the instruction came first to lay it all down, I spent hours in prayer. (laughs) I confided in friends and asked them to pray. I spoke with my pastor and my mentor, and they prayed with me and for me until it became clear that I had received a true instruction from God. But when I went back after four months being at home, I just went. I didn't pray. I didn't seek advice. I didn't ask people to pray for me. I just, I went. I just did it. Now, I pray weekly with others to strengthen me in my waiting, to help me to remain obedient, and to listen for the next instruction. So if you are in the meantime, can I encourage you alongside spending time alone in prayer, which is important, to gather others around you, to pray with you and for you. I'd like to read this encouragement to you from Gerard Kelly, called When the Walls. When the walls of Babylon are closing in and Jerusalem is a dim and distant dream, shut the door, open a window and pray. When the narrowness of vision smothers hope and stifles your every ambition, shut the door, open a window, and pray. When you need to find your focus in a free and far horizon and to see beyond the furniture that frames you, shut the door, open a window, and pray. When darkness encroaches and shadows fight with sight and you crave the comfort of light, shut the door, open a window, and pray. When the presence of God is a misted memory and the promises of God are slow in coming and the purposes of God are buried in the fields of your anxiety, when you are stuck, stagnated, struggling, without hope and without help in the world, shut the door and in the presence of your Father, open a window to the promise of your Redeemer and pray to the one who loves and lives for you and longs to help you more than you can ever know. Amen. So the third thing we're going to look at today is the apostles' third action here in this uh, chapter was that they put the house in order. They sought God's heart for who would replace Judas so that they would be ready as a team to respond when God's promise of being clothed with power from on high came, that they would be ready to go as a team to proclaim the good news about Jesus in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you're in the meantime today, do you need to put your house in order? I do. I'm clearing my student, pesky student overdaft, 
That's, I'm putting my house in order. In this time of waiting, in this time of waiting for the next instruction, that's what I need to do. If you find yourself in a financial difficulty, many people do it. Many people get themselves into tricky financial situations so quickly and so easily. So if that's you today, can I encourage you that you are not alone? And also to encourage you to seek some advice. Speak to one of the team at Riverside Money Advice. They've helped many people from all walks of life take control of their finances again and can help you too if that's where you are in this meantime, in this time of waiting. If you need to straighten out your finances so that you can be ready to take a letter-paid job, work less hours, go somewhere where the pay isn't as great. If your next instruction tells you to do that, you need to be ready and able to do it. How are your relationships with family and with friends? Is there someone or something you're struggling to forgive? And have you done everything you can to be at peace with those around you? If the next instruction involves leaving your workplace or your friendship group or your church, do everything you can to be able to do that in peace. A wise woman once told me that as you leave one place, so you will step into the next. So if your calling involves stepping into the next place, do everything you can to be able to do that in peace. Of course, there are ways that your house could need to be put in order that I haven't mentioned. So whilst you are following the last instruction and praying... Ask God if there's anything in your life that needs to be put in order so that you are ready to respond when the next instruction comes. I'd like to ask you to take a step of courage, a step of faith. If you're here today and you are in the meantime, if you have sensed or heard that individual call from God on how to play your part but you don't know where to start if you know exactly what you're called to do but are waiting on the next instruction and if you are on your marks and have got set but you're waiting for that divine go or even if you're just waiting for that initial call can I ask you right where you are to just stand I'd like to pray with you Thank you. If you are not standing, can I ask you to join with me in praying for those who are? So, Father God, I thank you that you have created each of your children individually with gifts and talents blended for them personally. Lord, I lift each person standing to you you who know exactly where they are on their journey. Father, I pray for strength to obey the last instruction, patience to wait for the next one, church family to pray with and for them, wisdom to put their house in order, and courage to respond to your voice when you speak the next step. Amen.
If any of you, whether you are standing or not, would like someone to pray with you one-on-one, the prayer team will be at back of the church.